You're listening to the midweek service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from our guest speaker. To learn more about us, please visit harvestbibleonline.org. How's everybody doing tonight? You guys having a good week? Uh, we're going to go ahead and pray real quick, and we're going to get right into this. I'm try to get you all out of here a little early, although it's me up here, so it's almost going to be impossible, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we honor you and we thank you. We worship you. We thank you for this time that we get together in praise and worship and honor unto you. You're worthy of all the honor and praise. Lord, you're great and greatly to be praised. Lord, thank you for keeping us. Thank you for allowing us to gather together in one place and hear your words. To encourage one another. To serve you freely. Father, we honor you. And we thank you for tonight. Lord, we trust you for utterance. We come to hear from you what you have to say. And declaring right now in the name of Jesus, every heart is receptive, every ear is open. Father, thank you for using every one of my mannerisms to convey the truths of your word. Your word is very precious, very holy and powerful. You are everything your word says you are. We trust the mighty Holy Spirit who is the teacher, the revealer of the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is a privilege and an honor to stand before you guys once again. Truly is an honor to stand up here. I don't take it lightly. And I'm very thankful Pastor Mark trusts me to, to be up here. And he's, uh, he's out of state at the moment, enjoying life, which is good. Man works really hard. So does Miss Pam. And uh, he's definitely going to be back on Sunday. And so um, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say, too. <laughs> and uh, but uh, no, I just I'm very thankful to be up here tonight to share and. Pastor Mark, he asked me to, on, on Sunday to, to share tonight, and there was something already turning and burning on the inside of me, and um, things that I've already been looking at and studying and meditating on and, and um, having conversations about, and um, there's a big hot topic, a burning topic in the body of Christ right now, and it's been there for some time, and um, tonight's message is going to be about the contention between the law and grace. That's a real fun subject to get into. But there's this riff between the law of God and the grace of God or being led by the spirit of God or the spirit led life. And the contention is not in the word of God itself or with God. It's actually with people. There is no contention where God is concerned. There's no schism or division or issue where God's word is concerned concerning these subjects. And basically, this contention, it has to do uh, with people's misunderstanding of these subjects, specifically their misunderstanding of the purpose of, law, of the law of God, and also how the grace of God impacts and applies to the life of the believer. Okay? They're not mutually exclusive uh, or at odds with one another. In other words, if, if, you know, if people can get real, you can get on the, either side of the ditch on this thing where somebody can be legalistic 
All of a sudden, if you start sounding a little legalistic or you're going according to an Old Testament scripture, then people get nervous. You know what I mean? And then here's the famous one when we talk about tithing. Well, that was under the law. And so they look for a reason not to. And that, that's not it was it was regulated under the law, but it w- didn't come out of the law. Tithing was 400 plus years before the law ever came into being. It was outside of the law. But they look at uh, people's misunderstanding of this subject right here is, is caused, you know, same thing with grace. They, you know, they, they start they get a little bit of light on the subject of grace. And all of a sudden, it's, we're just going to believe, we're just going to believe, and all of a sudden, action and, and results is, as, as, a, as um, you know, faith without works is, is dead. You're, there's evidence of you believing by what you do, okay? And so there, you can get on the ditch on either side of this. But when we take a look at what God has to say about this, it'll straighten out our thinking, and I mean, if you go on, a, I know if we if we work, work from home, you know, we come to church, you know, we don't go out a lot or, you know, a lot of ministers, they'll be able to share a lot about what's going on in the body of Christ, a lot about what's going on with a lot of Christians because they deal with a lot of people. They travel. They do a lot of things. You know what I mean? Missionaries, same thing. They're all over the world. But when you go online, when you're starting, when you're starting to see chats and, and you're seeing you're starting to see where believers come together outside of, you know, an actual place, a building come together, you start seeing what people are thinking, what, what they believe. And that's where you see all the, the conflicts. And uh, I believe once we have an understanding of the purpose of the law and how the grace of God or being a spirit-led, uh, spirit-led life, how it applies to a believer, we'll be able to walk. It'll cause us to walk and serve the Lord even in a greater way. Okay? Now, the Apostle Paul... That guy can teach and train on this subject better than anybody I know. Okay, we're going to look at a lot of what he has to say about it. Okay, I hope you all brought your Bibles. We're going to read. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Verse 1. And two. I like what Creflo says. Ready? Read. (laughs) Verse one says, so now, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith in his promises, we can have real peace with him because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. For because of our faith. He has bought us, brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to actually becoming all that God has had in mind for us to be. I like the end of verse two right there. It says we joyfully look forward to actually becoming all that God has had in mind for us to be. Let's look at the purpose of the law. Romans chapter three. Starting at verse 19. It says, obviously, obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world, entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. 
The, the law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is, uh, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone is sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins or penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in uh, what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then uh, that we've been done anything right, uh, any, done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying, obeying the law. It's based on faith. So when we're made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law, after all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There's only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Look at verse 31. Well, then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. That means when somebody, you hear somebody talking about grace and they have some kind of animosity or something, a little bit of attitude against the law of God, that's the, that, that's the first indication. It's not, the law of God, the Bible says, is right, it's holy, it's good, and it's just. So then how does this, how does this law apply to us then? The Bible says that we're made right by faith. We're going to keep looking at that. I know it's a lot of scripture, but I like giving a lot of background, especially when, when we're talking about what Paul, the writings of Paul. See, the gospels are like the picture, like, like a photograph of somebody. Okay? But the epistles and the revelation that Paul got is the x-rays of the human being. Okay? They show you the inside stuff. In other words, the gospel show you, shows you what man saw, but the epistles show you, shows you what God saw. It gives you what God, how, what God uh, see, uh, what he saw in the redemptive work of Christ, okay? And so I know that there, I'm going to give a lot of background in Scripture to put things in context, okay? Because a lot of this issue also has to do with not writing, rightly dividing the word of truth or rightly teaching the word of God, okay? So like I said, I can't explain this better than the Apostle Paul himself. Uh, now, this next chapter, we're going to talk about Romans chapter 7. This, I mean, I used to read this one. It first came to, to the Lord, and it used to mess me up. I was like, okay, what are, you, what are you saying? And a lot of people have a misunderstanding about this, but we're going we're gonna to go through it again. I want to give some background, some context of what we're talking about. We're talking about the purpose of the law. Okay, Romans chapter 7, we're going to start at verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example... When a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you're united with the one who was raised from the dead. 
As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Now, verse 5, he's going to talk, he's going to begin to speak about a specific condition of humanity at this point. He's not talking about the believer, at verse, starting with verse 5. He's going to elaborate on what humanity is like without the Spirit of God, without being born again, and the struggle that all humanity has. Okay, in verse 5, it says, When we were controlled by our old nature, this is the unregenerate condition Paul is about to elaborate on right here. Sin, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced the harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we've been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. In the new birth. When you become alive unto God or born from above, what Jesus said, you must be born again or born from above, you actually could do more and do greater things for God than, you could, than anybody ever could under the old covenant obeying the law. Because the purpose of the law was never to produce that. We're looking at the purpose right now. It says... Um, Uh, Verse 7 again, now we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living life, uh, the way of living in the spirit. Well, then, and am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there was no law, sin would not have that power. This is coming from Paul. This guy knew the law. Okay? No, th- nobody in the religious community could touch this guy on the law. And the Bible says, yet he was still ignorant in unbelief. The guy, I mean, I mean, this, the dude was bad. Verse 9, at one time I lived without understanding the law, but when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life, and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. He's talking about spiritual death there. Verse 12. But still, the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. You don't dog the law of God. But how can that be? Verse 13. Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. And it's no joke. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes, struggling with sin. So the trouble is not with the law. For it's spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I'm all too human, a slave to sin. 
I don't really understand myself for I want to do what, what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And again, he's talking about a man that's not born again. He's talking about what everyday men and women and and young folks that are not born again, the struggle they have. They want to do right, but they're held captive to the power of sin. And the law exposes this. So I don't really understand myself or what I want to do. What I want to do is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the but if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Talking about me. (laughs) But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it, doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably inevitably do what is wrong. I love God with God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. The power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable man I am who will free me from this life that that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. You can't stop there. You have to go to Romans chapter eight. The one we all know and quote. There is therefore now after Paul was saying all of that. Now he's talking about the believer. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of this. This is Romans chapter eight, verses one, going down from the top all the way down. For the law of the spirit of life. I like this in the Amplified, which is in Christ Jesus. The law of our new being has freed us from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And look at verse 14, drop down for as many as are led by the spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Now, when we normally hear that scripture, we hear it about God giving somebody direction. Hey, get up, get dressed, get in your car, drive four blocks, hang a right, stop there, talk to the bum on the corner. When you're done with that, go down four more blocks. And, you know, we think, okay, God's leading us and directing us. And those that are led by the spirit of God, those are the sons of God. Can you expect to be led by God in that way? Sure. Why not? God can direct your life. He can order your steps. He can speak to your heart on what to do. Hey, go give that person a thousand dollars, whatever. You know what I mean? He could talk to you and lead you. But what this word, there's a couple of words in here that I'm going to Greek the thing. Okay, it's going to make sense. That word led in the Greek, it means to bear, bring, carry, lead uh, uh, to bring to bear, to bring, carry or lead. And the word sons in the Greek, that literally means those who manifest a certain character. Put that together. It's literally saying that the Holy Ghost will bring you to a place of manifesting the character of the son of God. Okay, (laughs) the law cannot produce those actions. 
from a heart, from a place of faith. Why? Because the law was never intended, nor could it ever do that. That was not the intention of the law of God. Romans 5, 2, it says, Or despisest thou the riches of, the, of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? In other words, the goodness of God is intended to bring you to a place of repentance. That word leadeth you is the same Greek word. Same Greek word in Romans chapter 8. Glory to God. If we understand the purpose of these things and understand what our focus should be on, because trip off this. If you're led by the spirit of God, you're not going to violate the law of God. You're not going to violate the law of God. If you're functioning in the ministry of helps, for an example, you're serving in the church and you're flowing under the anointing of the Holy Ghost in the area of the ministry of helps. Do you know you're not going to cross? You're not going to be stupid and, and, and you're, going to, you're actually going to supernaturally help and flow with Pastor Mark. Did you know that? Because it's the same Holy Ghost that's anointed Pastor Mark to be the pastor and to you for you to help him accomplish what needs to happen. You're flowing under that same anointing. You know, the spirit of God does not go against the word of God, the spirit, of, if you're flowing under the, the if you're flowing with the spirit of God and you're living according to the spirit of that life, you're not going to violate the law of God. In fact, the Bible says that the grace of God teaches you not to not do the law. The Bible says that the grace of God teaches you to deny ungodliness. In fact, he'll give you the power to not sin. In fact, that in fact, the whole purpose of the new birth, do you know that that the law could not bring us close to God? The law was never intended to bring us close to God. It's to expose and to curb, to, to keep things in check. Until the, and, you know, the law and the prophets actually pointed to the answer. So y'all need him. Jesus. The law was never intended to do that. In fact, the, the Bible says that uh, we're to come, in him, uh, come to him in a new and living way. That he had the only way that it could get better in God is that we'd have to put on immortality. In other words, God, God should have more access. The Bible says he's in us. Greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. You're born. You have the life and nature of God on the inside of you. That means he can communicate you, with you and in you in a whole different way. It should be much closer and clearer than it ever has been other than when Adam, before Adam fell. That is the purpose of the spirit-led life. But the laws of God exposes your condition, then tells you and points you to the one who can fix it. That's the purpose. They're not bucking against each other. And, here, and then the crazy thing about it is, if you're actually being led by the spirit of God and you're born again and you're walking with the Lord, the law has no place in your life. It is it's null and void. And you not, it's not even a factor. Why? You're, it's not even going to be violated if you're walking with the Lord, according to how what was designed in the new birth. We should be doing things far greater than what they ever did in the Old Testament. Not because we're, we're so much better, because God has greater access to humanity in us to do those great exploits. It should be like we, we, it should be almost like Jesus never left the earth. Oh, mommy. You mess with the clock back down, great. Let's read some more. I love reading. Galatians chapter 5. 
I just want to show you why I wasn't making up everything I just said. Galatians chapter 5, verse 18. In the Amplified Classic. There's an Amplified and an Amplified Classic. I just want you to know this is the Amplified Classic. All right, but if, verse 18. But if you are guided or led by the Holy Spirit, you're not subject to the law. Verse 18 says, But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes, is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, for, uh, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, or self-restraint and continence. Against such, there is no law that can bring a charge. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, the Messiah, has, have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature, with its passions and, and appetites and desires. Verse 23, there's no law that can bring a charge or there's no law that can produce that kind of character. There's no law that can cause that to come into being. It has to be an inward working, uh, an invisible inward working. You can't see the spirit of God working. You can only see the effects of it. It's kind of like what Billy Graham said one time. You don't see the wind, but you see the effects of it. You can fake Christianity only for so long, but you can't keep up with the Holy Ghost. You can't keep up with the Holy Ghost and what he can do. Man. The intended aim of the law is to restrain the evil tendencies natural to man in his fallen estate. Yet in experience, law finds itself not merely ineffective. It actually provokes those tendencies to greater activity. The intention of the gift of the spirit is to constrain the believer to a life in which the natural tendencies shall have no place and to produce in them their direct contraries. Law, therefore, has nothing to say against the fruit of the spirit. Hence, the believer is not only under the law in Galatians 5.18. The law finds no scope in his life in as much as and insofar as he's led by the spirit. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. This is where I got that from. For the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing has come forward, appeared for the deliverance from sin and the eternal salvation for all mankind. It has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness and worldly passionate desires to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritually whole. That's a word salad right there. <laughs> Lives in this present world. world. Check this out. First John chapter two, verse 27 says, but as for you, the anointing. Which you receive from him. Abides permanently in you. Then you have no need that anyone should instruct you, but just as his anointing teaches you concerning everything and is true and is no falsehood. So you must abide, live in, never depart from. Being rooted in him, knit to him, just as his anointing has taught you to do. Okay. Now, when it says that you should have no need to anyone to instruct you, that doesn't mean that you don't need a teacher. That's not what that means. That means you have you have the know, the the knower on the inside of you that tells you what you're hearing, whether it's true or not. Okay, that's what that that's what that's referring to. But his anointing, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Grace, the Holy Ghost, all that's interchangeable teaches you to abide in Christ. 
Now, we're talking about communication. Check this out. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This busted my brain. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. The spirit, not content to flit around on the surface, dives into the depths of God and brings out what God planned all along. Whoever knows what you're thinking and planning except you yourself. The same, uh, the same with God, except that he not only knows what he's thinking, he lets us in on it. God offers a full report on the gifts of life and salvation that he's given us. We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. We didn't learn them by, uh, uh, we didn't learn this, um, by the way, sorry, this is the message translation. This is sounding comfortable, like somebody was real comfortable when they were talking. I know, there's a lot of, it's, it's real wordy, but uh, it's the message translation and it is good nonetheless. All right. We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. We didn't learn this by reading books or going to school. We learned it from God, who taught us person to person through Jesus. And we're passing it on to you in the same firsthand personal way. The unspiritual self, just as it is by nature, can't receive the, the, uh, the gifts of God's spirit. There's no capacity for them. They seem like so much silliness. Spirit can be known only by spirit. God's spirit and our spirits in open communion. Spiritually alive, we have access to everything God's spirit is doing and can't be judged by unspiritual critics. Isaiah's question, is there anyone around who knows God's spirit? Anyone who knows what he's doing has been answered. Christ knows and we have Christ's spirit. Look what John said. Well, Jesus in the book of John. John chapter 16. But he when he the spirit of truth. The truth-giving spirit comes. He'll guide you into all truth, all the truth, the whole full truth. He'll not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that's been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you uh, the things that are to come that will happen in the future. He'll honor and glorify me uh, because he'll take, of, he'll take of, receive, draw upon what is mine and reveal, declare, disclose, transmit it to you. Now, look what Jesus said in verse 15. Everything that the father has is mine. That's what I meant when I said that he, the spirit, will take the things that are mine and reveal, declare, disclose, transmit it to you. See, we don't know what's on God's mind, save the spirit of God. Well, we have his spirit living and dwelling, dwelling on the inside of us. And the eye is not seen, only ears heard. But the, the latter part of that scripture said, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. The Bible says that the same spirit, the same power, the same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. Glory to God. And this is another thing that the law could not do. Ephesians chapter three, verse 12, in whom, because of our faith in him. We dare to have the boldness and courage and confidence of free access and unreserved approach to God with freedom and without fear. After we're looking at the results and the effects of the spirit led life, are you even concerned about the law of God at that point? Or are you hungry for God? It, it, it feeding upon his words, meditating in his words, praying in the Holy Ghost. Speaking divine secrets, mysteries. 
One of our infirmities, one of our weaknesses as human, I'm talking about believers, is that we don't know what to pray for as we ought to know. But the Holy Ghost taking hold of us, taking hold with us, we begin to utter forth divine mystery secrets before God. That's the gateway and doorway into the supernatural. That doesn't mean we're going to get goofy. It's the word of God and the spirit of God coming together that contribute to this spirit led life. We ought to be doing more for God than anybody at all ever did in the old covenant. There ought to be, like I said, greater access to humanity, the people that are born again, that know their God than there ever was before, other than we'd have to put on immortality to beat it. I know Pastor Mark's been talking a lot about you are of God, little children. Man, we need to grasp that. And we don't, there's a whole lot that we all don't understand about the grace of God. It's God's ability, God's anointing, God's help. Imagine if God's ability came on you to do whatever you needed to do in your assignment in the earth. If you knew you had God's access and his ability on you to do it, there wouldn't be nothing to stop you. That gentleman that came here uh, Sunday, Monday, one thing that stood out big time. God was telling him to do all kind of goofy stuff. He was he was listening to the Lord, following his direction. He didn't wait. Is that under the law? No, he was listening to the father. He was following God and it spared his life in multiple occasions. There was nothing touching him. Why? Because he heard from him. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, because there's people that died believing that, 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 that were martyrs. I'm talking about in our day and age. Okay, don't misunderstand me. But he was following the leading of God. How did he, he heard from heaven? He was being led. That's the predominant factor of his life. But I'm telling you, he's not, you don't go outside, you don't go past the Bible, the word of God. Okay? But there's some things and places that God wants us to do and take us to in this final hour, in these last days. God is trying to work in us and through us to take us to a place where we need to be for him and for his glory. Okay, God is trying to get some things to us and through us. And it's through this life right here. If we understand who we are, Paul had two questions immediately upon his conversion. Lord, who are you (laughs) and what would you have me to do? And he spent the rest of his life finding out. Eight minutes. All right. Now, I'll be patient with you. Romans 10, uh, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay. The word hearing in the Greek means receiving the message. Okay. That word word in that same scripture, that same verse is the Greek word for rhema means the spoken word. 
Okay? So when you're ready to hear, you're receiving what the, you're, you're receiving the spoken word. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, the sword of the Spirit literally is the word that he quickens to you at that moment. It's not talking about the Bible per se as a whole. Okay? It's that word that's spoken to you at that moment that he quickens to you. Now, it may be a scripture that you already know, but what's the one he's quickening to you? That's the one that's the sword. That's the one that brings life. That's the one you act on. But it comes through meditating, through spending time in his words. But it's the word that you that's quickened to you. That's what he's talking about. And this all goes together with living the spirit led life. The grace of God. So when we're going through our daily lives, activities, living life, and these things are coming about, we need to expect the Lord to quicken things to us. Quicken the things that concern us. Do y'all get anything tonight? Y'all all right? I know it was a rough start. It's like one of them older, older trucks. They start. You're questioning if you're going to get to destination, but man, once that sucker gets going, it's all right, huh? Well, amen. Well, we're not going to leave here until we take care of some business. We're live, right? Cool. I just want to make sure that, that, that if I'm talking to folks out there, that I really am. Uh, <clears throat> like, why is he looking at the camera? That man's crazy. But uh, I don't want to leave tonight. I'm feeling that we're all family, but anybody in this room or watching by television or online, not television, online, um, I just prophesied. But watching online... Um, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know him, you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't come to Christ to fix your business, fix your marriage, get your kids right, get that job. You come to God because you're not right with him. There's a sentence against you, judgment against you already. But God did something about that. He sent his son Jesus to stand in your place and took the sentence that you had coming. Jesus took our place. He was the ultimate substitute for our sin. Died in our condition. Went to the place that we had coming. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead and he's alive right now. Seated at the right hand of God. The Bible simply says, if you believe within your, in, in your heart that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you believe that in your heart, you shall be saved. For with your heart, 
You believe on the, on the righteousness and right standing with God. And with your mouth, you seal the deal. So if anyone in here, we all family, everybody born again, right with God. All right. Let's go ahead and pray because I don't know. I, I can't see any hands raised through the lens right there. So let's all, let's, just, let's all pray this in case somebody needs to get this taken care of. Pray this prayer. God, I'm coming to you right now. Just as I am. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. That He took my place on that cross. He is the Messiah. He is Lord. And I believe with all my heart that He died in my place and that you, God, raised Him from the dead. I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, for making me right with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.